And we're back like we never left. Welcome to episode 50 of the Confessions of a Not-So-Dangerous Mind podcast. I want to thank you all once again for joining me. If you're here for the YouTube version of the podcast and haven't done so already, please don't forget to click like and subscribe, turn on those notifications, or if you prefer the audio version of the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or the other platforms, same rule applies. If you're enjoying the content, go ahead and click like, smash the subscriber bell, turn on the notifications. So in honor of episode 50, which is the age which I recently turned, 122973, I want to talk about workout motivation, but from a different angle the kind of double-edged sword of being super motivated. And um, I remember stories from when I was younger, even after I got into working out. There were stories that just didn't click. It didn't make sense. And as I got older, and as my ability to kind of will my tired, in some cases aging, or sleep-deprived, or under-the-weather body, I began to have greater and greater capacity to push myself to workouts when I probably shouldn't have been doing so. And I feel like it's something that is important to talk about because we're all going to do what we're all going to do. But I feel like this is a kind of under-discussed aspect of people who are hyper-motivated and, and being hyper-motivated is almost never a bad thing. And it isn't always a bad thing in this context. But every once in a while, the need, the fear, can hurt us. And so perhaps you have some experiences. I remember a friend once telling me that he worked out, this is 15, 20 years ago, he worked out with a medical condition that was highly contagious. And he felt like shit. He had, was running fever, and he was uh, very enervated that he really didn't have any, mo any sort of pep. Um, he should have been in bed, and he was probably one step away from being hospitalized, but he convinced himself what he needed was a workout. Now, fortunately, from what I know, he didn't get anyone else sick. And he was young. He didn't make himself worse. But that's, that's maybe it an extreme version. I remember when I was 22, and this is a very sort of special time frame in my life, um, because the fall 1996 semester at New York University represented my last term as far as coursework. The last term for me in academia, officially. So I, I walked with the class of 97. I finished my coursework in the fall of 96, just the way that it worked out. And the fall of 96 is when the Yankees won the American League's Eastern Division baseball. And the team hadn't won a World Series in 18 years. You know, they're freaking out now because they haven't won it in 15 years, since 2009. They hadn't won a World Series since 1978. And they had only made one previous postseason since 1981. They went 14 years without even making the playoffs. Playoffs? Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Jim Moore. Fall of 1996, 
found the Yankees. Not only making the postseason via winning their division, but winning the division series, winning the championship series, and ultimately winning the World Series. Well, while the Yankees were in, I think it was just before the championship series, they might have had an off day. There was a guy who, uh, a CPA, his name's not on this cup, it was a fourth part, who was, his firm was, uh, one partner was going, merging with one firm, and he was merging with my dad's firm, SCF Co. by that point. And I met this guy, his name's Ron, I'll tell you his last name. And he said, you know, when you're a kid, when you're 21 years old, everyone seems old. Now, this guy, Ron, was kind of slight of build. Uh, he was a, a runner. He was somebody who had, I think he competed in triathlon at some point. So he was not a, he was a big workout guy, but he was not a big guy. He was a CPA. He was a hard worker like my dad and his partners. Honestly, like every CPA I've ever known. There's no lazy CPAs. So <laughs> it doesn't happen. So I met this guy, Ron, and the reason why I was dispatched was I was, you know, I, I had the day off it was Friday, day off. I never had classes Friday. And I went over to his firm, and I, this was a day I helped him move his shit to the offices of SCF. And it really wasn't that difficult, except for the fact that it was kind of a shitty, rainy day, and it was cold, and we were bundled up. And, you know, in the pre-COVID days, and also the pre me having had pneumonia because I was years away from the bout of pneumonia that <laughs> landed me in the emergency. I didn't think that much of being around and being with people who were sick. And by sick, I don't mean sick in the head. I mean somebody with a bad cold or bronchitis or whatever. Nowadays, I feel like we're all very alert and aware. It's not a negative. It's just, it's an observation. We're way more alert and aware of these things than we once were. So this guy was, he was sick. He had what seemed like bronchitis. He'd had a cold, and it turned to bronchitis, and he's coughing, coughing, coughing. So uh, as we're moving the ship from his office to the offices of SCF, and there, there really weren't that many people. I didn't think my dad was even, I think he was at a client that day. Um, the only partner that, if memory serves, the only partner that was at SCF was Mr. Shulman, who incredibly, Shulman's, what is he, 86, 87 now? He's still working. He's still working. I find that extraordinary. Man, my old man couldn't wait to retire. Dad was working a 60% schedule until the year that he turned 70, and then he double middle finger saluted everybody. He'd had enough. And he actually didn't. He made it to 64, 65, still working a full schedule. Didn't need it anymore. He didn't want it anymore. He did enough. But that's neither here nor there. So Mr. Uh, Skyron um, brings his stuff over, and he was interested in the fact that I was an exercise person. At that point in my life, all I did was lift weights. And nothing crazy, you know, the, the sort of daredevil shit was still to come, you know, 300-pound deadlifts for 30 reps, and that kind of insanity that I was, I was doing. I hadn't gotten into that yet. I wasn't, I wasn't strong enough. I was still in a kind of building phase. I was just a, a normal guy with relatively long arms, um, robust lower body, and kind of thin wrists. 
So I was limited. I wasn't ever going to bench press 400 at a body weight of 180. It wasn't going to happen. But we're talking, and, you know, he's coughing, coughing. He's not feeling that great. He says, yeah, I gotta, I'm running a slight fever. I had a cold last week. I'm a little nervous. Turned to bronchitis. Then he says, can't wait to run late. I'm, I'm 22, 21, 22 years old. I, and I asked him a question. You know, now it's an even more obvious question. I, I asked if he had a, you have a, you have a treadmill at home. So like, even back then, I knew people who, when it was bad weather, would work out at home if they didn't want to go out somewhere. He says, no, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my you know, raincoat on, but I'm going I'm I'm to go outside and run. But he, I don't know if he said raincoat. He said he was going to run. The weather was shit. It was in the low 40s. I mean, I had a winter coat. He had a winter coat. It was in the low 40s. Anyway, we do all this stuff. We get all of his shit in. We shake hands. You know, we, we had an afternoon together. It's great to get to know this guy. It's the only time that he and I ever hung out, and it was just in the context of me working for my dad's firm and helping this guy get his shit from one office to the other. So the um, championship series, the crazy first game with Jeter, where he, you know, with the Jeffrey Mayer, and the fly ball to right field that should have been the second out of the eighth inning. The Yankees probably would have lost that game statistically, end up winning it. And I feel like the Yanks were up two games to one. And sure if it was that they were up to because game three was a great game they rallied against Messina and um, it, you know, Messina should have been out of the game Bernie Williams Jeter Cecil it, it was just fantastic but I know there was a day where I had class and I went to the office when I was done because I had my dad we were gonna go I was gonna go home I would go from you know lower Manhattan I take the subway up to uh, Grand Central Station and walk to his office which was uh, not far from the Daily News building they weren't in the news building anymore. They, they were not far from the news building. 99 Park. That was the address, 99 Park. Great view of the MetLife building, which used to be the Pan Am building, and you've seen it in a lot of movies. It's such a great anchoring point if you're shooting in Manhattan. Amazing. So I remember I was excited because the Yanks were up two games to one, and they, had, they seemed to have a pitching advantage. I forgot the matchup in game four. I think we actually had Kenny Rogers going, but... The Orioles pitcher was even worse, and the Yankees just absolutely beat the crap out of him. The sense was, even with Rodgers pitching, we were going to win game four, we were going to win the series, either in five or six. So get to the office, and Dad's there. I remember thinking, man, my dad's pretty old. He's 54. He wasn't really that old. It's just his hair was gray. You know? He was still six foot one and a half. We were almost the same height. People who met my dad in later years couldn't believe how much smaller he was. And it was hard for them to believe that there was a time where my father and I were just about the same height. He was a little bit shorter, half inch, three quarters of an inch high. But get to the office and make the rounds. Hello, Mr. Shulman and Mr. Kramer. And I don't think Bernie Rosen was, he was somewhat retired too, when the dad. And this guy, Ron, who I had just helped to move in. Oh, is, um, is Ron at a, is he at a client today? Dad kind of looks around. It gets kind of a, a little bit of a 80% frown, 20% smile. He goes, Ron's in the hospital. I said, holy shit. I mean, I'd just seen him a couple of days early. I said, oh my God, what happened? I said, well, how was he doing that day that you saw him here? How was he feeling? I said, well, honestly, he wasn't doing so good. He was coughing. 
He told me he had a cold that turned into bronchitis. He was worried about getting pneumonia. Um, okay, so he was running a fever. He had about 100 or 101. Well, how do you feel? How do, I'm fine. It's good, good. Did he say anything else about his, his day or what he was going to do uh, after you helped him move? He said, yeah, actually he did, now that you bring it up. He said he was going to go home, he was going to go for a run. He was going to try to exercise the illness away. I don't know if Ron said that those were his exact words, but the gist of it was he was craving the sweat and the exercise, and he was going stir-crazy. I guess he had this part, I don't remember, but I, I guess he hadn't worked out in a number of days. He got sick. Shit happens. He got sick, right? So apparently, when we shook hands, parted company, he went home to, uh, I believe he lived in Westchester. I went back to, you know, Huntington. And he went home and he went for a, I don't know, uh, maybe he went for an eight or a 10 mile brisk jog in 40 degrees at night. It was probably even colder. And um, his cough got worse and he ended up in the hospital. Now, even as somebody who was already very motivated and obsessed with going to the gym, this struck me as preposterous. It struck me as preposterous. I said, this is a, a very intelligent man. This is a, a husband, a father. This is somebody who was a business owner when he was still in his 30s, as my old man was. But the point is, this is not some random moron. This is a highly intelligent, highly motivated individual. There's the double-edged sword. He was restless, and he convinced himself, because he had the motivation, his energy was down, he had 100 or 101, the weather was shit, but he just decided, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to do my run, and that's it. So he did it, ended up in the hospital. And I just remember thinking, this is one of the dumbest, this is one of the dumbest sequences that I've ever witnessed or heard of. It just it struck me wrong. So he did recover. He made a full recovery. He was fine. But that stuck with me. Now, in my own case, there were times not that much longer or not long after that where I did work out when I should not have been because I was significantly under the weather. Now, I didn't have that the next time in 1999 when I had the flu, I had, if it's possible to have mild flu, I had the version of the flu where I had no energy and I was shivering, but my stomach was okay. Didn't have much appetite, but my stomach was okay. And I did go to bed and worked out as intensely as I could, even though I felt like I was going to die. Uh, I did it anyway. Stupid. Didn't make me any sick. But fast forward to the mid-2000s, and I had a cold at the beginning of February of 2005. It was right around the time that Clint Eastwood won more Oscars for Million Dollar Baby, right in that time. And he made a joke about Sidney Lumet, who was a lot older than Clint. And he says, you know, Sidney, my old buddy, still working. I feel like I'm just a kid. Because you know, Sidney Lumet probably 10 years older than, than Clint. But I remember I wasn't feeling great. I had a cold. Didn't take any time off from Bev's. It was a very, very cold winter. Speaking of the word cold, it was a, a 
terrible winter. We had a bunch of snowstorms. The weather was brutal. And I had a cold. Started to turn into bronchitis. A little bit like old CPA Ron, dad's old partner. The trickle in the lungs. I've got bronchitis. Did I go to the doctor? No. Could have gone to the doctor to get Prevental, which when I'd had bronchitis in the past, knocked it out immediately, regardless of my schedule. If I was sleeping enough, or to, always took care of it. Didn't do that. I don't want to go to the doctor. Fuck that. I'm just going to keep working out. Fucking bullshit. Now, I'm not a kid. I'm 31 at this point. This is not the, the kind of wide-eyed, wow, this guy's going to run when it's 40 degrees and maybe even less. I keep going to the gym. I keep the exact same schedule. The trickle in the lungs gets worse. I just keep going to the gym. Finally, I wake up on a Saturday morning and I got 103 temperature. And I now can no longer go to the gym because now I feel horrendous, worse than I had. Because the way I kept rationalizing, well, I don't have a temperature, I can't be that sick. I'm fine. Fuck this bullshit. Not gonna let this fucking bug beat me. This is what I was actually saying. Looking in the mirror angrily. Fuck this. So, I took some Tylenol, and the Tylenol brought the fever down, but uh, the lungs were not doing so good. I uh, was coughing a lot. And the cough was entirely productive. Great word, right? Productive usually means something good. A productive cough. Yeah, the productive cough. I was choking on my own phlegm. It was a very productive cough. Congratulations on your productive cough. Luckily, luckily, my dear old dad was not going to visit his lady friend in White Plains that particular Saturday. Again, I don't remember the mechanics of why he wasn't. But he had his car, he ended up, he came home, and I said, i got to take me to the, somebody because I can barely breathe. And he noticed my coloring. I was starting to almost look a little green. So he went to the Huntington Hospital, close by to where his old house was. That's the place I sold to, you know, come here. Sat in the emergency room for hours. I didn't look like I was in jeopardy. I was forcing myself not to cough and not to chuck my guts up. But I was having increasing difficulty simply drawing breath. You know, it's, I just po Arnold Schwarzenegger, Total Recall, give these people air. I didn't have any air. Come on, Cohagen, you get what you want. Give these people air. I needed air. I couldn't breathe. And I was scared. When I had the, the medical catastrophe in 94, where I was 20 going on 21, and that was an earlier podcast called 90 Hours of Hell, and that is not an exaggeration. I should have been petrified, and I wasn't. It's like I, I was too tired to even realize how I was close to death. Well, whatever. In this instance, I was scared because I had never experienced not being able to draw breath. The previous times I had bronchitis, I actually hadn't had it since starting training seriously. Bronchitis was something that happened when I was in my early to middle teens. I, every time I had a cold, I would get a trickle into the lungs, but as I say, they would prescribe Prevental because I had a parent or a parents who took me to the doctor. When you get to be 21 or 31, you're making your own medical decisions in a lot of cases, right? Making a lot of your own decisions. So I was scared. 
finally, after hours, I get to see the, uh, the attending physician, very nice guy. He checks me out. They run some preliminary x-rays. Now, as soon as he looked at me and he listened to one lung and then he, he said, all right, I got I to gotta do the x-rays, but I'm pretty sure you know what we're dealing with here. You've got pneumonia in one lung. The other lung is not in great shape, but you only have the pneumonia in one lung. He said, but let me just run, you know, run the tests and um, just to be sure, just to be honest. Once I, once I saw the doctor, I, I, again, I don't mean to be overly dramatic. I wasn't scared of him because his manner, he was not panicked. And he then, after they ran the, the test, it was only a couple of minutes, he said, okay, it, it's pretty much what I, what I thought. Um, you have pneumonia in your left lung. You don't have double pneumonia. The right lung doesn't look great, but it, the right lung is not in imminent danger. He said, we're, we're going to give you an antibiotic. I need you to take it as soon as you get home. And here's the other thing. I got to tell you this, right? There's no excuse that it took you this long to seek assistance. I don't know what you were doing or what you were thinking, but based on my knowledge of this, and I've seen a lot of pneumonias since medical school, you've been very sick for at least a week, if I had to guess. Is that true? I said, yeah. Why didn't you? Why didn't you see someone sooner? Why, you didn't need to do this. You could have just gone to your doctor a couple of days ago and he would have given you antibiotics. You didn't have to suffer. What were you thinking? I don't know. You're right. It's really stupid. I, I just, I kept going to the gym. I said, okay. I, I, I said, listen. And listen to me, please. I'm not just telling you this. I've had this kind of conversation with other people who are in fitness. You'd be surprised how many people get pneumonia. But I'm going to ask you, don't go back to the gym when you, by the time you complete your third antibiotic pill, you are going to feel fine. This is something I'm telling you. Your lungs are going to clear. Okay? These work like magic. You're going to feel great in two days, and you're going to want to go back to the gym. I'm asking you, please don't do that because you might get scarring in the lungs. You're probably not going to relapse. I'm not going to pretend you will, but you're probably going, or you could get scarring in the lungs because the lungs need time to heal. You need, your body needs a break. So what I want you to do is, from the first day where your lungs feel 100% clear, I want you to not train. Don't go to the gym. You can go to the gym and hang out. Don't work out. You're not going to be contagious. One full week from when your lungs are clear. Will, will you promise me that? I know you're, you know, we're not, you know, going to text message, but will you give me your word that you're not going to go back to the gym for a week? Say yes, God. I will not go back to the gym for a week. He says, okay. But I'm, again, you're not going to be in danger because as soon as you take the first pill, and they gave me Leviquin, which is a fucking goon of an antibiotic. It works, but it's rough. Uh, I didn't experience any immediate side effects, I should point out. But as soon as I took the first dose, I remember getting home that night. And Dad also talked to the doctor, and the doctor said, listen, I know it's, it looks bad. It sounds bad. He's going to be okay. He just he shouldn't have waited this long. 
you know, if he had gone to his doctor on Tuesday, none of this would be happening. Bang, it doesn't. I took that first antibiotic pill at about 9.30 that night, and within minutes, I could feel my lungs starting to clear. And when I woke up the next morning, they were almost entirely free of fluid. Like, it was, to me, it seemed like a miracle. Because in most cases, even antibiotics, when they work, like when, you know, if you have an ear infection, for example, they don't work that fast. This worked, like, boom. Still had a little bit in the lungs. And I was intending to do exactly what the doctor said. I wasn't going to mess around. I still sensed a little bit, just tiny bits of fluid until Wednesday. So this was Saturday, and even though by midday Sunday, it, it, didn't, it, like, it didn't even feel like bronchitis, it felt like just the tiniest little bit of phlegm in the lungs, which we get all the time. But I told the guy what I was going to do, and I trusted that it would go away. And by, it, was, it was probably gone by Tuesday, but I wanted to be 100% certain. So by Wednesday, I was clear. And I said, I'm not going back to the gym for another week at least. And I ended up staying out of the gym until the following Friday. So when people say, what's the longest you've ever gone without working out? I went from, well, it was two weeks. Once I got into fitness, I went from a Friday, the last Friday where my body was starting to really go south, and I ended up in the hospital the next day. It was two weeks. And even with that, with doing it the right way, once I finally went to see a doctor. I did not make a full recovery. See, that's the thing. I was only 31. I was in the prime of my health. I did not make a full recovery. I didn't have scarring in the lungs. But I tell you this, and no doctor will confirm this because there's no real way to get confirmation. But my sense of hunger and my sense of thirst did not ever fully return. And I was the kind of person who no matter how much he ate the previous night, some of you, I mean, we kind of joke around at this at Bev's, I would wake up hungry the next morning. And my sense of thirst was, was normal. But this particular, where I had high fever that I was bringing down, like, artificially with Tylenol for a couple of days, I have no idea, like, maybe the hypothalamus got cooked, but colloquially speaking, I did not make a full recovery. Maybe it's a coincidence that before this bout with pneumonia, my hunger, my sense of hunger was as it had always been. I was hungry all the time, and I was thirsty all the time. And after making a full recovery, I never felt hunger or thirst the same to this day. It doesn't mean I don't get hungry, but I don't sense hunger the same way. And what you would call hunger pangs, I really don't get them. And when I drink, rarely do I drink fluids feeling actually thirsty. I sense the dryness in the mouth and all of like that part of it that goes with being thirsty. But I don't feel thirst the same way. And I don't believe that it's a coincidence. As I say, no doctor has ever said, oh yeah, that's 100%. But they've all said, it's logical. Because when you have high fever like you had, it's possible that something will not repair. So because I was 
Estupido, I don't sense hunger or thirst the way that I did before. I'm comfortable saying that. So this is what could be a danger. And certainly another thing, and it's not the same as being sick, but when we're injured and we insist on continuing to train the same way, it's the same, the same mindset that you refuse to admit that, hey, your system needs a break. You gotta back off. Doesn't mean you're a, a wuss. It doesn't mean you don't care or that you're not super motivated. Sometimes you gotta back away. You gotta backpedal a little bit. You gotta be smart. And dad's old partner was not smart. He got really sick. And I was arguably even dumber because I had a longer amount of time to recover and I just did not. I refused to stop doing what I wanted to do on that day until we were in dire straits and I couldn't breathe anymore and I needed hospitalization. And without antibiotics, touch and go. Would I have recovered? I don't know. Maybe. I was 31. I had no you know, pre-indication, nothing. All I know is that I couldn't breathe. Anything more than a 25% breath and I was choking. So. Listen to your body. I don't care how motivated you are. If you're really sick, don't work out. It's not worth it. And with that, we've reached the end of episode 50 of the Confessions of a Not-So-Dangerous Mind podcast. I want to thank you all so much once again for joining me today. And uh, if it's the YouTube version of the podcast that you check out, don't forget to click like, subscribe, and turn on those notifications. I'll be back with episode 51 real soon. Peace.